This episode of No Meat Athlete Radio is brought to you by Nuts.com, the simple and convenient way to have nutritious, delicious, healthy nuts and other tasty treats delivered straight to your door. Get four free samples when you go to Nuts.com, click on the mic in the upper right-hand corner, and use code NOMEAT, one word. Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to No Meat Athlete Radio. Welcome, everyone, to episode 133 of No Meat Athlete Radio. I'm Matt Frazier, joined by Doug Hay. And, Doug, today we're doing it in person. Yeah, it's good to be back. Braved yeah, my, I hope, my I hope home. you don't contaminate me. <laughs> I've already done it. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, now, I'm feeling better, which is good. The flu really got to me. I think it was the flu. It lasted about a full week and a day from start to finish. And I'm not, not even quite finished yet, but it's pretty darn close. <laughs> um, but, man, I haven't been sick like that in a long time. I've been. I've typically get the, the, and maybe this is the this. This is clearly because I'm vegan. Uh, <laughs> when I get sick, it's it's like in the evening. I'm like, I tell my wife, Aaron, I'm just not feeling that good. Something seems wrong. I'm gonna go to bed early, and then I wake up, and it's usually knocked out. Right. But this one, just got me. Must have been some kind of cruise ship bug. I would imagine that being on a boat in in one of the you know a smaller cabin. Rocking back and forth is probably not the best place to have the flu. The <laughs> no, it wasn't the best. And one of the lasting effects once I got off the boat uh, was anyone who's been on a cruise probably knows the the feeling of it feels once you get off the boat after a week that that the ground is still shaking, like you you still feel like you're on the boat. Okay. Uh, I had that. It's still happening today, even like a really, little, yeah. Uh, wow. And and fairly strongly the past few days. So I don't. I don't know if that was related to being on the ship or if it was just had to do with whatever congestion I had, if that just messed up my, my balance or something. How long does that normally last? I think like a day, typically. Like okay. It's gone right so away. So this is... This, this stayed, huh. yeah. So it, it's like this flu knocked, locked it into me or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it was not the best place to be to be sick, except that uh, my kids weren't there, so that was... Oh, that's <laughs> good. <laughs> I mean, it was like, I guess getting, on, getting sick on, on a vacation isn't really ideal, but one of the perks of it is that you don't have anything else to do, right? right, it's, right. You're not waste feeling like you need to be going and working. Like I said, I was able to watch ESPN Caribbean and just, just hang out. That's a good point. Uh, and my talk had, had been delivered. The first, I guess the first, my talk was on Monday and the crew started on Saturday and I got sick on Tuesday. So I okay. uh, had, had done that, had that out of the way. I did still have to give or do a panel discussion um, and a book signing when I was very, very sick. Yikes. <laughs> yeah, but it was okay. They, it was all right. Did you do? Did, did you do a meet and greet with the? Yep, I did that too. I was really sick for that too. Oh no! Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, it was a sick, a sick cruise for me, but it was a fun cruise. We we enjoyed it up until the point when I got sick, and Erin continued to enjoy it. She she didn't let my sickness uh, weigh her down. Hold she, her back. No, Good she, for her. she kept doing her three exercise classes per day. And uh, wow, yeah, she so she really got just like she did last year. She got uh, that out of it and and really took home. Just kind of a renewed enthusiasm for fitness and movement. And uh, last year when we finished the cruise, the big thing that we did a podcast episode about and took home was the oil-free diet. Because prior to that, we had been kind of curious about it because every plant-based doctor was talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, we had this hang-up where it was like – because we still like to cook and enjoy the taste of food. And we just kind of thought if we start cooking without oil – it's it's basically going to make all of our food not taste any good anymore. 
and I just, I don't know. I just thought you start a meal by by heating up the oil, adding onions, adding garlic, and that's that's the base of your meal, and that's how you sure that's how it smells delicious and and is delicious. Well, we we ate oil free, mostly oil free on the cruise last year, and uh, knew exactly which dishes were oil free, and I was really pleasantly surprised at how good a lot of the oil free ones were. So that's what made us say, hey, let's actually give this a try. Here's some evidence that it doesn't mean your food's not going to be rich and not taste good just because it doesn't have oil in it. And for the most part, that's been true. Like, I, I really do think a lot of that was just in my head. There's this idea that, like, if I don't have the oil, it's not going to be good. But once I got over that and and didn't have this bias in my head the whole time I was cooking and eating, uh, I, I really don't notice. I don't really notice when we put oil in and when we don't. Hmm. So it has worked fairly well uh, doing it at home. What was interesting, though, was that we came back this year and the food to us so we had, we had a friend on the boat last year who we met and Aaron and I felt like we were eating like as healthy as we've ever eaten this this previous cruise year oil free oil free oh. macrobiotic micro okay. um very just just healthy whole food vegan food not almost nothing it fake it felt clean and no sugar added anything just i mean mm-hmm. unless it's fruit or whatever um yeah so we it was like we felt like we were on a on a clean eating retreat but someone who we met there was she had two boys at home or something, and she was like, she made something said made some reference to the food, you know, saying like like yeah we don't eat like this at home like this like the cruise for her was kind of an indulgence like this was like, uh she was like we eat baked potatoes at home and put salsa on them and very very simple eating and this cruise food was very rich compared to that. Hmm. So what was really interesting to me and Aaron this year going back after having done the oil free thing for a year was that. It felt like the food was that for us this year. So we were like, wow, this is really rich food, way different than what we eat at home. So it was really interesting for us to notice that change from just one year of of eating oil-free and not even knowing it that consistently because we had the, the whole issue with, with not having a home for two months when we were in our right. house flooded in the summer. Yep. And you went to Italy and you weren't oil-free yeah, there. Right? right. So it's not like we did it even an entire year. But just for the, who knows, probably five to six months that we've really consistently done this, uh, our our palates absolutely did change. I also remember that last year on the cruise, they didn't. Uh, I always felt like the food the food didn't have enough salt on it, and I just for my palate. And when they gave some salt samples, real salt, who I think made by Redmond, maybe um, is one of the sponsors of the cruise, and they gave these little real salt samples. It's that kind of pink salt, and I kept bringing that to the dinner in these little sample containers and using it on my food because <laughs> I was like, this. I just wanted to add salt to things. This year, the food tasted to me saltier than what I'm used to eating at home, and I don't know if that's because they've changed the way they're cooking, or if I just have have gotten to be eating less salt and now have adjusted in that way too. Huh. Well, so so what's an example of a rich tasting meal that is oil free and is no sugar added and all that stuff? Like, what 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 meals were you having? And you're like, wow, this is kind of an indulgence. There was like uh, Caribbean kind of coconut soups, like I don't know, maybe coconut curried soup that it would be have some lentils in it, have coconut milk, mm-hmm. um, and that that's kind of an exception, I guess, because or or not really a fair example because that has plenty of fats in it and saturated fat. Um, but but like a lot of the food, like none of the food was. It's not like I'm I'm saying we we suddenly ate fat free food. Uh, <laughs> there are still ways of of adding fat to food and just doing it in a whole food way, like with with nuts. So there was a lot of hummus type dishes mm. um, that. That were really rich and feeling good, uh, but just just not with oil. So uh, anyway, I just I just found it interesting that 
even now, I guess probably seven years into this journey, um, my taste buds are still changing. And, and I, I guess that's because we've found ways to kind of keep pushing the, the limit a little bit further and seeing how, how far we can go with this. Um, but, you know, people talk about that all the time and did told me that in the beginning when I went vegetarian the first time. They say, like, it's going to be hard at first, but your taste buds will actually change. And it's interesting to me. You would think that they would sort of change and you just reach this new level and then you'd be there. But it's interesting to me that still seven years later, um, you know, we're still finding ways to to make our taste buds change and, and I guess become even more uh, limited in the amount of richness that they require, <laughs> uh, which I guess I guess one could argue is a bad thing. But uh, I think a lot of things look that way. Like like when you, when you think about someone who's really into exercise, you can look at them and be like, man, I wouldn't really want to be like that or that that into exercise. But it, it happens, and once you're at that point, it's it's no longer a bad thing, right? Because because that person is is has has found a passion or a, or a, a hobby that they're really into. Right, uh, and that's that's of course one of the big objections. So so anyway, we say this all the time. This this we tell people that when you go vegetarian, when you go vegan, your taste buds change, and it's really hard to believe it because it's hard to just imagine yourself in this future setting having different taste preferences than you currently have. That's like a fundamental thing about us. It's hard to imagine being different. Right. Uh, so it's really hard to picture yourself in that. It's hard to believe people when they say that your taste buds will change, uh, but they absolutely do, and. This same thing happens with with fitness. So, like we've we've started going to the gym this year. Back in December, when I was trying to imagine myself doing a workout plan, getting back to lifting weights in the gym, it just seemed such a hard thing to imagine myself doing. I was just like, I can't imagine spending an hour a day for three, much less the five that we're actually spending now. Spend an hour in the gym for that long. I just I just couldn't imagine after after having done pretty easy paced running for five years leading up to that mm-hmm. it was just like no way it's not gonna happen but when i was doing that i was kind of erroneously not accounting for the fact that your preferences change once you get into something uh and now now going to the gym is like the i don't know it's fun we we actually yeah. enjoy that as a first thing each morning do you think do you think that it's getting easier because you're there more often and your body's just getting used to that type of stress muscle stress or is it a more of a mental shift i was wondering that exact same thing uh certainly the the mental or the the physical thing the body changing is part of it right it's not as painful to go to the gym as it was that first week for sure right um at the same time as anyone knows you increase the weights to make sure that it does stay difficult so it's Mm -hmm. not like you're just sticking with the same weights because then of course it'd be really easy and that that would (laughs) clearly be a physical thing that it was no longer difficult at all right uh but no, I think I think you your body changes, but then I I think your attitude toward what that pain means mm-hmm. uh, is also what's changing because you start to see results, and suddenly it's not just this new thing that that you have got to do, but but now it's like this is the reason that I have gotten results, and I want to keep getting them, and I'm excited, and you start to actually associate something pleasurable to the short term pain of of lifting, right. I mean, we see this with, with runners all the time when they train for their first half marathon or the first, especially your first marathon. If you've never run more than 13 miles or 10 miles before, the idea of running a 20-mile long run and then next week running a 21-mile long run uh, just seems totally insane, right? And and, and the mental block of, of, being, of picturing yourself out there weekend after weekend, two or three hours of running every, you know, every Saturday... Uh, is a huge hurdle to overcome, but 
as you get into it, you realize your body starts to adapt and, and that, um, that 10 miles no longer seems all that long. It seems like a rest week and, and then 15 miles, you know, might seem like not that long. Um, and it's not that you're, it's not that those each run doesn't hurt because every time you increase it, you know, you are going to get tired, you are going to get fatigued. And, and then as you do it a second time, then you're, you're probably going to push a little harder and you're going to get fatigued that way. But you're, you're more used to it. You're more accustomed to uh, the idea of being out there. And then your legs are more accustomed to that type of discomfort and pain or, or, or whatever. And, and, um, and then it, it just for some reason doesn't seem like that big of a deal anymore. Yeah, that's that's another one of those that's really hard to believe that it's going to happen. I, I probably because a lot of the changes aren't visible. Like, right? I mean, it's not like it's just easier now to run twenty miles because you're carrying twenty pounds less weight, right? Like, it's not right. like a runner. Yeah. I mean, and sometimes that happens that, that a runner does lose a lot of weight, and that mm-hmm. certainly does make it significantly easier. But I think a lot of those changes are below the surface, and, and you really just can't. Or they're or they're in you know they're they're in the connections between the brain and the muscles right your brain has just become more efficient at at running and running has just become easier because your body has learned how to do it right and that's not like a physical change that you can see so I think it's really hard for people to to buy that yeah right so like if you tell someone you're an ultra runner and like well how do you possibly run a hundred miles like you it's not four times harder than running a marathon right is right. it. I mean, well, <laughs> I, I, I don't think it is. I think, I think running a marathon is, is difficult, but that intensity, that end of a marathon intensity. Sure. Absolutely. Right. No. It, it, absolutely it's not right. four of those. No. Um, right. You're not, you're not, at, you're not make, taking yourself to the point of, of mile 25 on the marathon and then having to run 75 more miles past right. that. Right. Yeah. So I don't know where I'm actually going with that. But well, <laughs> I wanted, but it, I wanted it to just work in that we've each done 100 milers. I wanted to let people know that. <laughs> yeah. um, no, but no, but I think you're, even marathoners are like 50 miles. I could never do that. You know, but, but it is a shift in perspective, and, um, and that adapts. Your body adapts and your head adapts uh, over time. Yeah, but I think so much is in your head. I guess that's probably where I was going, is that there's so much about it in your head that isn't really a visible change. Mm-hmm. So someone can run a marathon and say, well, how can you possibly – run 100 miles and i think it's it's so much a mental shift that, that you can't see any real difference so it's very hard to believe that you have gotten to the point where it just doesn't hurt as much mm-hmm. but uh but i think i think that it's so i i think all these things we're talking about i think largely it's mental i mean i think there's i think certainly there's a physical component to any of these changes in, in right. your palate in your ability to lift weights and your ability to run but i think so much of it has to do with your your mental ability to have become just because you've become accustomed to stuff right. and you've formed the habit of doing this and now what what took a bunch of willpower willpower before doesn't take that anymore it, it has become a habitual thing something you're used to doing and it's become comfortable i remember so clearly the training for my first marathon um, and i had run a half marathon probably three years before that three or four years before that but hadn't done any sort of endurance running in between then I'm training for my first marathon, and 13 miles is on the schedule, and I run. I add a .1 so I can run a half marathon during that training, and and I get home, and I, it was this huge letdown. <laughs> it was like, where's the crowds? Where's the medal? Where, I just did this incredible feat, and I worked so hard. I struggled through the entire thing and was was felt proud of myself, and then it was like this letdown. I was like man, I still have to double that and I still have all of these things to go. And, and, and the, it's this, 
what was once a huge deal, the 13 or the half marathon, the first time I ran was a huge deal. What was once a huge deal is now just part of, yeah. you know, the training plan. Right. Um, but, but now I don't think that way at all. You know, now I think 13 miles is a great, you know, training run and, but, but not something that I stress out about or, or worry about. Yeah. Um, I had a similar, when I was first considering running a marathon in college and I had run, I think I had run a five mile race was the, was the longest thing I'd done. Uh, I remember watching people at at where at the race where I did this five miler. There was it was in Philadelphia, and there was also the marathon going on. Right. And I remember seeing people for some reason the the course. I don't know how they how they overlapped each other, but I was seeing people who were turning some corner at mile fifteen of the marathon. Uh-huh. And I remember just jumping in my head from from how I felt after five <laughs> and thinking, oh my god, can you imagine what it feels like <laughs> to be fifteen miles into a marathon when you still have over ten miles to go? Like right. you're not even close to done. You you have twice what i just ran you have that left yeah and and you've been running for 15 miles and, and so like and that's a low point in the marathon I mean, that that does get to be the point where sure it is starting to get really difficult right maybe not quite there yet but uh but, yeah it's just funny like in my head how much just how impossible that seemed but then you just kind of you know and i don't like i said i don't think it's physical i think you just have mentally learned to deal with that and kind of compartmentalize these different little mileages and then suddenly 15 just seems like a you know, no. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I think so. I ran a, a marathon last weekend and or two weeks ago, and um, I'm putting myself at mile 15. And at that point, you're just you're just really locked into the race. the The excitement has kind of faded, right? And you're not all that close to the in it to the finish. Uh, but but you're just you're used to moving forward. You're used to, or you're, you're just in in movement mode, right? And you're just kind of locking in the pace and locking in the movement and trying to get through that. And the first time you do it, of course, that's that's a hard place to be. But um, over time, you get used to that. And I think that that is the same way with kind of with being vegan or or, or whatever. You just kind of lock in to where. I don't need a cheese pizza anymore. It's not a big deal. It's, there's not a ton of excitement behind this you know, this other dish, uh, but, but it's not a big deal. It's not like a huge strain to, to move away from that cheese or pepperoni pizza or whatever it is that you think that you can't give up because, um, because you love it so much when, when you eat it. Right. So on that topic, I want to get to, uh, another question, which, which is, uh, you know, we're talking about all these sort of successes, these things that we've learned to do and we've, we've handled now. Um, but lest anybody think that, we never have trouble with changes. I, I have a good example um, of, of a time when I did have a lot of trouble making a change. And, and I think, and the question that you would ask me that kind of prompted this was, we were, we were pointing out all these examples of, of times drawing these sort of similarities between different changes where, where when you think about how hard it's going to be, um, it just, it just seems such a daunting task. But in almost all these situations that we've mentioned, you get to a point where, you almost don't realize that your body has changed and it suddenly has become easy and Mm -hmm. you never face the amount of difficulty that you thought you were going to have to face because your body and your mind change. Right. So the question is, does it ever not happen that way? Right. Do you ever not? First, let's hear from our sponsor. Yeah, That's a good suspenseful, suspenseful place to to (laughs) keep people engaged. This episode of No Meat Athlete Radio is brought to you by Nuts.com. Nuts.com is the simple and convenient way to have nutritious, delicious, healthy nuts and other tasty treats delivered straight to your door. They have everything from your traditional nuts and nut mixes to chia seeds, sprouted almonds, dried goji berries, 
even protein powders and other seeds for your smoothies. Matt, I was talking to the owner of Nuts.com the other day about some of the more popular items that they sell, and he said that for three years after the book Born to Run hit the shelves, chia seeds were their number one selling item on the site. Before the book, they were some obscure thing that nobody was all that interested in, but after it was released, everybody wanted chia, and few grocery stores were carrying them at the time. So there you have it. Nuts.com can help you with all of your nuts and seed needs and all the things that you don't think you need yet, like maybe one of the items mentioned on the popular food trends episode that we had a few weeks back. Doug, did you just do a Doug's Do You Know in the middle of an ad? <laughs> I did do it. <laughs> I did. <laughs> right now, new customers can get four free samples of $15 value when you go to nuts.com, click on the mic in the upper right-hand corner, and enter my code NOMEAT. That's nuts.com and enter my code no meat one word for four free samples with your order. All right, Matt, I'm dying to know, share, answer that question. Yes, and hear about one of the few times in my life when I failed at something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's not true at all. I fail all the time at things. Uh, this was just one in uh, one example of many. In fact, it wasn't a failure, but I was really interested in, I don't really fail in my life. That's... <laughs> uh, <laughs> This wasn't a failure. This was a 30-day challenge when I first wanted to go vegan. And I was had been vegetarian probably about a year and a half now. I was really inspired, particularly by Robert Cheek. I went and saw a talk by Robert Cheek, and I said, I really want to try being vegan. So I said, I'm committing to a 30-day challenge because that was one of the tools I had used to become vegetarian. And I did it, and I got to the end of those 30 days. I remember day like 27, I started this little countdown in my head of days until I could have <laughs> cheese pizza again. Uh, so I reached day 30, had a cheese pizza to celebrate the end of my vegan challenge, and basically then just went back to being vegetarian and wrote a blog post about it. So it was kind of a failure. I mean, I didn't really, my goal wasn't go vegan now. It was just do this 30-day challenge and kind of see if if it works. And it turns out that I think that's really the the great use of something like a 30-day challenge because you can do it and you can during that time you kind of can figure out if if this changes one that that you're kind of that you're at at a place where you're able to do it and where it feels good and i think kind of what the question is is do you actually change in the way that we've described when i went vegetarian i found by the end of the 30 days it was a really easy thing there was it was not a stressful thing anymore for me to do that Mm -hmm. this vegan thing i was still thinking about cheese i just wasn't ready to do it uh, so in that instance, I didn't experience this thing where suddenly it became easy because your, your body and mind adjusted. Uh, and I think to me, that was a sign that I wasn't ready. So I think that's why, that's one of the great things about those challenges is you can, you can get into them. You can have a commitment, you have a finish line. And in a lot of instances, you're going to find that you keep going after that because you love the way you feel and your body has adjusted and you're mentally, it has become much easier. But in some cases like that one, you find out you weren't quite ready to do it. You can go back without feeling guilty. You you completed what you said you were going to do. You did it. You won in that way. And although it might seem like a loss that I didn't actually ultimately become vegan, I think that's one of the things that, that kind of got me ready to do it. So I think it was probably about only three or four months later uh, when I finally did do it. Because, because once I went back to eating that cheese pizza... I just didn't go back to it with the same frequency as before, right? You, you, right? you get sort of reset by a month without that sort of thing. And so from there, it it kind of was an easy, gradual transition to a, a vegan diet, but it just didn't happen right immediately as a result of that 30-day challenge. 
Do you think that 30 days is is the optimal time if you're going to do a challenge like that versus 45 or, or something like that? Do you think that you can... Because for me, those challenges, uh, generally the first week or two, there's a lot of motivation and excitement, and then you kind of hit a dip, a low point where you're not all that excited about it, but anymore you realize that it's a little bit harder. And then the hope is that you would come to that level ground where uh, where it wasn't all that hard and it was sustainable and you were enjoying it enough that you would want to make that switch long-term. And I guess if you don't feel that way, if like for you, if all you're doing is craving that cheese pizza, then, um, you know, then that's a sign that it's not going to work. It's not going to stick. Right. But, but do you think 30 days is really long enough to be able I to experience? I don't that? really know. Uh, when we had Andy from one year, no beer on a couple weeks ago now, he, what he said to me, I think he said this in the episode or if he didn't, he at least said it to me off there. Uh, he was like, you know, anyone can can kind of willpower it out for 30 days. He said, but right. to do the 90-day challenge, because they offer a 30, a 90, and a 365. Mm. He said, to do the 90-day challenge, that's where, like, you really have to adjust your whole lifestyle around this thing, and you really get to feel what it's like. And that's where where he said the great benefit is to to getting through that. It, you know, then you've really had to change. You've had to you're, the, make the mental and physical adjustments that we've talked about. Um, so I think you're right. I think I think longer than that probably is how long it takes to really actually change. Like you probably don't fully change in a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you talk about taste buds adjusting, you talk about adjusting as a runner, probably those things don't happen in a month. They probably take longer. Right. Um, but I think, th- I think that number is a pretty good one because I think it's one that people can, can handle. Whereas a 45 day challenge to me sounds significantly harder than 30. And I'd be a lot more scared. Like, like the one year, no beer thing. I would have been really scared to enter into a 45-day thing. And maybe maybe wouldn't have done it at all. Uh, so, I don't know. I, I think 30 days is a good. I think when I enter 30 days or something, like that that to me is a long time. That That's a scary sure. long time to, to commit to something. Right, but it does package well within the one month, and most people can handle something for right. one and month. Right, and I think it gives you that finish line that's like mm-hmm. just far enough out there because you can, you can imagine what it is a month from now. You can imagine being you a month from now. <laughs> right, right. So I don't know the actual time. Uh, maybe there is none. Maybe it depends on what it is you're trying to do and kind of where you are, mm-hmm. are starting from. Well, well, I'm glad we have officially made it clear that you're not perfect. Um, yeah, if, if we have made that clear. I don't know if we have yet. <laughs> I'm not convinced. <laughs> maybe some listeners are. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> well, good. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We, with this episode, we were like, I don't know if there's any sort of lesson to be taught here. But uh, if there's a lesson, I think it's, I think it's a that making big changes like it may seem really overwhelming when you're kind of on the outside looking in at, at a change like that and imagining what it would be, what it would mean for you to make a change like go vegan, like go to the gym every day, like run a marathon. Uh, but because of the, the changes that, that your body's going to undergo and your mind's going to undergo, it's not as difficult as it seems. It's just a matter of kind of getting started and getting over that initial hurdle. Um, you know, the point where getting to the point where you're not relying on willpower, all those things. And it becomes something that's not quite as drastic a change as you think it is. And B, that challenges are really a good way to do something, right? Yeah. Just a, a little short period. It could be 10 days. It could be 30 days. It could be 45 or 90 days, like we mentioned. But pick one of those things and just go for it. And then oftentimes you will discover during that period that you have undergone some of these changes that we've talked about, or maybe you find out that, that you haven't. And that serves to tell you that you're not quite ready to, to make this thing happen. As was the case for me that first time I tried to, to become vegan. Yeah. I think we've talked about this before, but I went vegan 
or I my transition to beginning my the start what started my transition to going vegan was uh, Leo Babauta's seven day vegan challenge, and I had right. no intention to continue being vegan after that seven days. But it was a it was my wife and I's way to kind of jump into it head first, and then uh, and then after that we were vegan at home. And, and then we kind of transitioned away from there. But that was that challenge was a way for us to kind of reset the mark a little bit. And uh, there you go. So weather's warming up in the northern hemisphere at least. So it's one of these times when I like to make changes. Uh, so if, if you've got one in your mind out there, use this as the uh, as the spark and make it make it happen. All right. All right. Well, we'll talk to you later this week.